a tie is a lot like kissing your sister, as my old coach used to say, but the way we've been coming along, it's more like kissing a really hot stepsister, something like that, you know? Welcome to the Red Half of Sheffield, a Sheffield United podcast by two Yank Blades fans. My name is Noah Snyder, and I am joined, as always, by Chad Jarvis. How you doing today, Chad? Um, Actually, I'm not doing too bad. I mean, I'm happy with the result. Uh, yeah, we lost the man lunch from being sent off, but I was happy with the result. Uh, the boys put in a good shift today and, and everything looks optimistic, right? As, as of the moment right now. Yeah, I will say I feel better following that game, considering how resilient we were and bent, but really didn't break in our fixture with Brighton Hove Albion. And we'll get to that. But first and foremost, Chad, I just want to wish you the happiest of Christmases. Happy holidays to you and happy holidays to all of our listeners out there. I'm I'm right there with you. Happy holidays to everybody. Happy New Year. And let's finally get 2020 in the books and on to brighter and greener pastures in 2021. Agreed. And the way I see it, things can only get better from here for Sheffield United. To quote The Who, I've got a feeling 21 is going to be a good year. So let's get into our game against Brighton Hove Albion. It was a really slow start, wasn't it? There was virtually nothing going on, no real chances until about the 19th minute. And Fleck who I thought had a really poor game and I think his substitution kind of is reflective of that. Brighton get a nick off of Flex errant pass and Lana actually has a good shot. I mean, it gets deflected. It goes out for a corner, but really that was the first real opportunity of the game. And I want to talk about how poor Fleck was in, in this one. I, look, I, I'll say since he came back, really, he's maybe had one or two good games from my perspective. I think this was John Fleck's worst performance probably since he came back from injury, really. Uh, wasn't impressed with him, gave the ball away on a couple of occasions, was not bossing the midfield at all, wasn't being the midfield general out there as he usually is and it was just a frustrating performance from him somebody for who a long time we considered to be one of our better midfielders and he's just taken a sharp decline in quality over the last month and a half or two months yeah i don't know where his small amount of form he had has gone because it's just like you said when he come when he came back from injury it's like okay he hasn't played in a while so those first couple of games he was boss in the midfield he was pointing with his arms you could hear him yelling and shouting on tv and everything and then ever since the southampton game it's just like where have you gone i mean or even with lester when you give the ball away in in the last minute winner for vardy it's I don't know. And then when this game started out and he was just like gone missing. And then when they held the signboard up and, and said who was getting subbed off, I was like, okay, first of all, who's injured. And then I saw a flex number go up. I was like, thank God. I mean, he was awful and this couldn't have come at a better time in the match. I agree. In the 22nd minute, Conley got a shot off uh, on a two on two and that went wide as well but it was just another chance that we gave away 
really Sheffield United had no chances until I want to say about the 32nd minute in the 25th minute Trosser had a, a beautiful ball to Mape and Basham stabbed it right to Ramsdale and that was such a great defensive stop from Basham there I, that was an absolute sitter otherwise we were we kind of started like the opposite of how we've started some of these games you know we've come out of the gates like a bat out of hell and it was kind of the opposite. It was like Brighton had all the momentum for until we made that sub at th- 33 minutes. And it was like Brighton had right there. You named a bunch of chances that went close. And obviously that Basham, I was like, oh, my God, it's going to be an own goal. And Ramsdale was right there and saved it. I was like, Ooh, that's a little risky, man. That's that's a little puck of your butt time right there. Definitely a nervy moment. Another nervy moment. Mape had another chance, and Ampadu put it over the bar for a corner. That was in the 30th minute, and yeah, I mean, just back-to-back chances right there for, for Brighton. In the 32nd minute, as as we said, John Fleck gets subbed off for Ollie Burke, and a really great sub from Chris Wilder right here. The game changed immediately. Burke had an immediate effect. He comes out gets fouled right outside the box and wins an important free kick. And I can't overstate how important really Burke has been in in this lineup. I mean, he changes the game when he comes in. He does. And it's like Wilder says to, or he's had some criticism for the subs, you know, how ladies made and he hasn't made the right ones and kind of is just throwing plaster at the wall and, and, and seeing if it sticks. And yeah, when Burke come in and, he ran right on, and then the camera flashed right over to him, and he was having that effort. It's like, uh, okay, here we go. Light bulb come on in somebody's head and say, okay, this this substitution has worked in less than 35 seconds. I think there's a further argument there for us to throw both Burke and Brewster up top, have McGoldrick play that 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 10 position. And I, I think that's really been what's been the most effective over the last several games. I don't know why we haven't tried to do it for as close to a full 90 as possible. Yeah, I'm in a agree, 100% agreeance with you on that one. So the free kick that Burke wins is taken beautifully by David McGoldrick. And were it not for a hand to it by Sanchez that had eyes for the back of the net, I want to go out on a limb and say that was arguably the best free kick taken by Sheffield United in the 2020-21 season. For sure, without a doubt. I mean, McGoldrick, it's like he was – he could he, since he's got all these goals over the last couple of games, it's like he can smell the goal and he's like, let me have a shot at it. Let me have a rip. Let me have a rip. And when that sh- – uh, I kept – they kept showing the replay too of him saving it. And I was like, oh, my God. Right there is when I was like kind of looking back at it now. I kind of felt like our luck was beginning to change. And it was almost like in the United game, you know, we had, we're starting to get some more chances than we were at the beginning of the season. You know, it seems like the luck might be starting to turn in our favor. I know I might be premature on that and it might be the optimistic me, but I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, I have a feeling. Well, I'd say we were very unlucky about four minutes after that free kick was taken by McGoldrick. In the 37th minute, uh, the key play of the game happened. Lundstrom takes a hard touch and follows with a hard tackle and is initially given a yellow card. And as we all know, VAR takes a look at it and it's a red. So I have to ask, Chad, is that a red card in your opinion? In the state of this league now... 
yes, in my opinion, whether I was, if I'm not a Sheffield United fan, if, if I'm just watching it as a neutral, I'm saying no, because he wins the ball. Yes, his momentum carries him through the player, but his studs are not up. His studs are aimed to, towards the floor. Like we talked prior to this, if we had a different referee or are playing in the championship, that's probably just a yellow card. That's, there's no intent in there. There's no intent to hurt him, to break his leg or break his ankle. No, that's that's not a, that's just a hard foul. That's a yellow card. But see, that's the glitz and glamour of the Premier League. We weren't exactly in the primetime spot, but we're playing lunchtime Sunday. No other matches are being played, so we're the only one that's on. So everybody sees it. So the ref wants to put his foot down and flashes the red. Uh, somebody made a very astute point online that I read, and they stated, when you slow it down, it looks a lot worse than it was live. Yep. And mm-hmm. I think Lundstrom getting to the ball first really kind of, in my opinion, negates the need for uh, for a red card. Look, he doesn't get to the ball first there. It's not a 50-50 ball like it was. Yeah, you send him off because that's a, hard, a very hard tackle. And the studs went on the ankle, but on a 50, 50 ball, I think a red card is just brutal. It's just absolutely brutal. And obviously look, it changed the outcome uh, of the whole game. Yeah. We were did. attacking at that point. We were, we had consistent possession and, you know, I mean, it just throws the wrench into the whole match for obvious reasons. Yeah. And, and like they say in baseball over here, it's a bang, bang play. That's what that play was. They went for the ball Lundstrom carried through, and it looked like he had broke the dude's leg. Once you, Like you said, once you slow it down and you make it go frame by frame by frame, it looks like he was trying to kill the guy out there. But no, when you watch it at actual speed, it flows right through. Yes, it's a tackle, it's a yellow card, but it's not a red. And never mind the, the impact on this game, and never mind the fact that Lundstrom is probably going to be gone within at least the next six months, if not the next month and a half during the January transfer window period. But now he's out. He's suspended on a straight red like that. You have to appeal that, in my humble opinion. There has to be a, an appeal of a three-game ban, especially because with Berger out, we've been just kind of uh, a little weak in the midfield. You know, I mean, we've been throwing Ampadu in there, Fleck, who's just not been great, and now you got Lundstrom out. I mean, that leaves us with Ben Osborne, who can start in that left midfield position, but uh, otherwise we're very thin there. Looking forward to, it might put pressure on, okay, you look at Lundstrom, he's going to be out three games, so that gets him out of Boxing Day the 28th, of December, and then the one we have around New Year's, I believe, on the second. So he's out until the new year. Burger's out. So almost he's like, might be a godsend, and where we might have to splash some cash early in the transfer window when January opens up to get us another midfielder. Because, you know, Lundstrom, if we're going to try and get rid of Lundstrom in January, we might go a swap for swap here. Yeah, I see that as a as a possibility. I think we are going to do a transfer window period podcast at some point where we'll get a little bit more into that. But in my humble opinion, I think really we need a midfielder and then we need somebody to cover for left center back. Mm-hmm. And maybe even, uh, I don't know, maybe even a left wing back. I just, I mean, Stevens played a lot better in this game. We but... might have found our, we might have found our uh, left center back. And the man that scored the goal. 
Well, I mean, Bogle really has played right center back. That's that's how we brought him in. Yeah. We brought him in as as coverage for Balduck. But if he can, I, he, I guess I think that that Wilder likes to keep the left footed folks on the left side. Yeah, make, so, it makes sense. Anyway, we go into halftime. It's uh, still drawn nil nil. Wasn't really m- many other chances, but Sheffield United were on the back foot. The start of the second half in the 48th minute, Trossard had a kind of a half chance, really not much to speak of. And in one of the best chances, I think, uh, that Sheffield United had besides our goal was McGoldrick in the 56th minute lofted a ball over the top to Ollie Burke, who was playing as our sole striker. He takes it with pace down that left-hand side, isn't able to get the shot off, but places it beautifully to Stevens, who was coming in in support. And Steven just boots it wide of the net. He put it up and over. And you have to put those on frame, really. Make the keeper make a save. You have to. We've had, like Chris Wilder has said in in his press conferences, we've got to take our chances. And when we have these wide open goals, like Fleck against United, you got to make them make a save. You have to make the goalkeeper make a save. We just can't keep putting these balls wide and just pissing these chances away. And it's just like, how many chances are we going to have to have? 500 before one goes in? We have to take our chances when we get – because this is the Premier League. This is the top league in the world. These chances are few and far between. So when they fall to you, you better capitalize on them. Absolutely. I agree with you wholeheartedly. And that was one of, in my opinion, three key chances that we had down down a man. Otherwise, mm-hmm. we were playing defensively, but you know, we we had good chances on the counterattack, but especially when you're down to 10 men, you have to take the chances that are presented to you. And that was one of only three chances really that we had in that second half. Yeah, agreed. In the 61st minute. Man, Basuma placed a beautiful ball to Lalana, and Ramsdale just gets in there beforehand. A brilliant piece of goalkeeping from from Ramsdale. And I, I hope this game really puts the naysayers as far as Ramsdale's minds at ease a little bit. I mean, you really wonder if it, we were not down to 10 men, would we have kept a clean sheet in this one? I, you know, I, again, you kill yourself thinking about these sorts of things. I mean, here we are 14 games in and still haven't had a clean sheet and every other club in the league has had at least one, but obviously, I mean, that's a key part, a key reason as to why we're where we are in the league at at two points. And in my opinion, if we finish the match with 11 players, he gets a clean sheet. Because as we'll talk about later in this review, we just got tired, man. Because you could, we had to defend for what fifty-five minutes. I mean, with ten yeah. guys, relentless amounts of chances coming in. You, at some point, you're going to slip up. At some point. So yeah, for me, I think if we finish with eleven guys, he gets a clean sheet, no doubt. You know, one of the key moments of the game that we didn't talk about yet is in the 54th minute, Jaden Bogle comes in for Rian Brewster. And we looked completely different from that moment on. Um, our, we had that, that 56th minute that McGoldrick was able to get that ball to Ollie Burke. And it started from the back. And, uh, you know, Bogle looked great on defense. I was really happy with how he was playing. And... In the 63rd minute, McGoldrick got a pass to Bogle in the box. He takes a shot. 
it's deflected and in Jaden Bogle in his first start in the Premier League gets his first goal. And that speaks to what we were just talking about. We took that chance and we made it count. Yeah, exactly. I I watched the play build up and I mean, you got to give it to McGoldrick. I mean, he's playing with his his head on fire because he doesn't have any hair, but he's playing with his head on fire. And it's it's just like he creates something out of nothing, goes to Bogle, and Bogle hits it and gets deflected in. Like I yelled, I was like, "Oh my god, we just got a goal!" I was like, "Against totally against the run of play here, something I did not see coming." But I mean, back to to the Bogle substitution with Brewster, and people are starting to get on Brewster because he's not scoring goals, and you know, this is the whole thing. They're mentioning mentioning the price tag and how much we paid for him, and he has no goals, and he hasn't scored since Arsenal's Community Shield or or in since Liverpool's game against Arsenal in the Community Shield. And it's like, well, we don't have any creativity in the midfield to get him the ball, so he's therefore he doesn't have any chances. And once once Burke comes in and open the game up a little bit, yes, he got on it, but you got to also look at his game too. He's tracking back and defending because we're down a man, so he's set back, and that's when it just let Burke be our out our out and out striker up front, and then we get this crazy ping ponged around goal to Bogle, and it goes in. That was a, a bit of luck, really. I mean, we had talked about how our luck might be turning around here. I think we saw some of that in the Man United game and definitely some some luck here. So moving forward, those are the type of chances that we need to take. Need to have a little bit more of that luck. Hopefully it can continue into this next fixture against Everton. In the 65th minute, March had a really, really good pass to Bazuma, who got it to Webster and Ramsdale just made another great save, deflected it. And uh, that was another great save from Ramsdale. I, again, I, you can't fault Ramsdale for his play in this game. I thought he looked good. He, he was focused and he looked confident out there. I, yeah. I really think that, you know, in spite of giving up three against man United, he came back into this game and um, really just showed qu- quite a bit of quality in, in net. Yeah, for uh, 100%. In the 77th minute, another Brighton chance. March had a good shot, was deflected out of play. 81st minute, Conley had an amazing chance, and he just put it over the bar. Welbeck was sat right behind him. If he had let the ball go to Welbeck, it was a it was a certain goal. Yeah, I don't know what they were doing there because both of their heads went up, and if you watch the replay, if Connolly's not there, the ball falls right on Welbeck's head and it goes right in for a goal. And I was like, Oof, we got let off there. That was, to yep. me, they had some other chances later in the game, but I don't know how they weren't able to find the net. They looked, they made us look like Man City being able to score goals and them right in front of, right in front of the goal. They couldn't score. They looked like us trying to, trying to just put it in from two yards out. Yep. Yeah, definitely let off there. Very, very lucky that that doesn't go in. In the 83rd minute, this is the last of our three chances that we had in the second half. Osborne gets in behind the defense, slots it to Burke, who, you know, has a basically wide, you know, an open shot at net, but just boots it high and wide over the bar. And uh, just another one where you're just, very frustrated as good as Burke plays. He just doesn't have any finish. I really think that Burke just needs to have one goal. And from there, I think they're going to start coming. Yeah. And it's almost one of those things. If he sees the ball go in the back of the net, because look at McGoldrick, once the goal started coming in 
for him or going in for him. Now they're going in with relative ease. Yes, it's still tough from time to time, but you can see it in his game. It's opened him up, and he's been a better player for us. And the same thing with Burke. If he sees the ball go in, then he'll probably start getting the goals to go in more and more. But I do want to point out that Burke has been responsible for a couple of assists. And, you know, to this point, last few games, he has played a lot better. And I've been really, really pleased with with Burke's performance. Again, I'd like to see him with a start with Brewster and have McGoldrick as that 10th. I'm just going to keep saying it. I'm going to will it into existence. Okay. So in the 86th minute, Ollie Burke takes a foul to try and stop the Brighton buildup on the ensuing free kick. Welbeck has the ball directed to him and he doesn't miss from, from five yards out. Just at that point, you kind of felt it in your, like in your blood that they were going to get that equalizer. We had defended really well for 35, 40 minutes, but at that point, the, we just couldn't get let off again, you know? Yeah. It just, it looked to me, like I said earlier, we just had defended for 55 minutes. And then when the ball goes, the ball goes in to Welbeck and he, he buries it. That's just a tired, cause you could see with the amount of, cause I think in the second half they had like, uh, they had a bunch of corners in a row where we couldn't even get it out of our final third. And so they kept putting the ball in, putting the ball in, putting the ball up, and you could see our players were struggling to get up and get the ball out of the box. And then it just – this one falls to Welbeck, and he just puts it in. Again, I don't think there was really anything that Ramsdale could have done about that. Really nothing our defense could have done about it. It was just a, a well-placed ball. It kind of was lucky. It just deflected right to Welbeck, and, and that was it. And in the 94th minute, right at the death, Lalana got a cross into him. He puts a header on. Welbeck puts it off the upright, and Balduck saves our bacon. And that's how the game ends. Yes. Nervy, nervy, nervy moment there at the death for Sheffield United. Uh, I really, I think we were kind of lucky to come away with a point. I mean, you take it, but those chances probably should have been put in. Yeah. They should have buried that one. I mean, it falls right to them, and you're like, dude, surely this is going to be a goal. And to see the fact that Baldock – I mean, Baldock just went in there too because, if you know, if he goes in there with that clearance and catches somebody, for sure it's going to be a penalty because it's in the box, and he's going to take them down. They're going to flop and roll around like a fish, and we're going to get a penalty drawn against us, and we're going to lose two to one anyway. So, I mean, that last-ditch defending from Baldock, it was like, thank you, son. You just saved our ass. I don't remember when it was last year, but there was a very similar sort of play that happened right right at the death and Baldock, you know, booted it out. I'm trying to remember when it was. It was I think it was in, in the beginning of this year, I want to say. It was probably in one of our fixtures in January or February. Uh, I can't for the life of me remember. But yeah, Baldock with a great defensive play. You know, he, he played great. Basham played great. Burke played well. All the Bs. Bogle, I mean... Everyone with the B in our lineup played fantastic. So I do want to get to the man of the match here. Chad, who do you think was Sheffield United's man of the match in this fixture? My man of the match is I'm going with Bash. I mean, as bad as we've been in def- as bad as we've been in, in defense this year, he's flown under the radar and just did his work. Yeah, okay. Most of our goals have come from that left side, 
but he has just put in a shift every game. He brings his lunch pail to work every day and, and puts in a shift and doesn't take any of the recognition or anything. You know, the center backs are always the unsung heroes of the game because you only notice when they make mistakes. A lot of times exactly. you don't notice when they're doing everything correctly. And every game, I, I mean, I can't really think of a moment this season where Basham has made a major miscalculation, a major mistake. Maybe like one or two little ones here. I mean, look, there's a, a pretty big sample size as far as mistakes from Sheffield United are concerned this season. But again, I mean, at this point in the season, if I'm giving out end of season awards, you know, he's one of my my players of the season, him and McGoldrick so far. Yeah. So Great. I have to agree with you that uh, Basham was also my player of the game, my man of the match. And, you know, we, we go on, we've got a, likely to be a tough fixture this week against Everton. But first, I want to talk about the injury bug, which seems to have come back. You know, we haven't seen McBurney for a couple games. We know Berger is injured and he's going to be out for probably three months at this point, probably won't be back until February per the gaffer. And again, that that makes things really interesting coming into the the transfer period. And I don't mean good interesting. I mean, I think we need to have a real stab at getting a uh, center middle. We need another center middle at this point, especially considering we don't know if Lundstrom's going to be gone or not. Yeah. And from what Wilder said when they asked him about injuries and Berger's injury, um, sounds like he tore the muscle right off the bone. So yeah, I can see why it's going to be three months, but yeah, like you said in the transfer window, dude, we got to get somebody to replace him. If not, when he comes back in to back him up, or if we lose Lundstrom in January to fill that spot or something. But I mean, if we look to, to somebody to loan from the Premier League, that would be cool. But if we're going to splash some cash, why not buy something from the league that probably, I don't want to say well, yeah, I could say probably that we'll probably be playing in next year. Get somebody that is proven right now in the championship. You know, maybe not one of those top three teams, not Bournemouth, Watford, Norwich, but I mean, maybe a midfielder from one of those mid middle playoff teams, you know, maybe we can lure it away and say, Hey, come and play for us. And if we go back down, we've got a really good chance of, of coming up, but yeah, it sucks that it sucks that burgers out and we definitely need to find somebody to replace him. Agreed. Agreed. So, Chad, another very important fixture this weekend, a Boxing Day match against Everton. That's going to be an 8 p.m. start Greenwich Mean Time, which means a 12 p.m. start here. Another 12 p.m. game for me. I don't have to be up at 4 a.m. in the morning like I was this weekend. I can actually yell my head off if we get some goals. So <laughs> yeah. looking forward to that for once. Don't get many of those those 8 p.m. games. No, that's for sure. I've got my I've got my boxing gloves out for boxing day, and I got my boxes that I can box up on boxing day as well. <laughs> so just taking a look at how we line up against Everton. In their last fixture against Arsenal, they've been on a really good run of form lately. Let's just say, you know, first and foremost, they've been really, really good. They beat not a great Arsenal team, an Arsenal team that, by all accounts, may be in a relegation battle. This past Saturday, they beat them 2-1. They beat Leicester City 2-0, and then they beat Chelsea 
by a score of one nil. So the, in a span of seven days, they had three games, won all of them, two clean sheets. It's not going to be an easy game. And in their game against Arsenal, of course, they started Calvert-Lewin up top, who, I mean, has been just phenomenal. 11 goals so far. What else can you say? Richarlison will also be starting, likely. It will be Seagerson in the uh, mid. They've got Davies. Godfrey, Keane, Mina, and Holgate in the back. And, uh, of course, England's number one, or 1A, Jordan Pickford in the back, uh, playing goal. So, Chad, how do you think we line up against Everton? Well, I'm going to go with pretty much the same lineup that we had for Brighton's game. You got Brewster and Burke up front, and then you got McGoldrick right in behind them, and then you have Osborne and Bogle, and then you have Stevens, Ballock, Basham, Egan, Ampadu in the center in the holding midfield role, and then obviously Ramsdale in goal. Do you think Jack Robinson gets a start? Uh, long throw Jack, man. I mean, dude, that guy can whip <laughs> the ball in. He can whip it in for about 50 yards, man. He could be on the other end of the pitch behind the goal and throw it into the opposing team's box. I mean, that you know, he, he might be given – I mean, yeah, we could give him a shot as well. I I've, I agree with you for most of what you've said. Obviously, the most important thing is going to be Burke and Brewster up top, and I really, really want to see David McGoldrick play that 10 spot. Really, I'd love to see that. Maybe you slot Ampadu back in, in defense and you take Robinson off. I, I don't know at this point, but, you know, look, being without Lundstrom is going to be killer. I think you just slot Bogle in there. I mean, he had a – hell, give him a run of full 90, see how he does. Yeah. So, Chad, what do you think uh, the score is going to be at full time? I'm going to say we're going to keep this good run of form going, and we are going to get a 1-1 draw. My reasoning for that is, you know, we could easily go out here and lose like we did to Southampton 3-0. But my reason is they play United in the League Cup when on Wednesday. So, you know, if they – can see a trophy at the end of the tunnel here, you know, they, they might throw their best side out there for 90 minutes. And if it goes in, in the league cup, it doesn't go in extra time or added time because they ended in penalties. So, I mean, you're looking at 90 minutes for some of these, I'm thinking they're going to throw some of these like Calvert Lewin. He's going to play 90 minutes. Richarlison will play 90 minutes unless they're getting thrashed against United. So we might be, catching Everton at a good time and get a one. I'm thinking it's going to be one, one. Well, I, I can say, I hope that that's the, the results at this point. I think probably we're going to lose one nil or two nil. You know, I don't like to be pessimistic, but based on their form recently and how they've played against sides like Leicester and Chelsea, I just, I really think that their form has been too good recently. And I think it's just going to be a really tough fixture for us to get a point out of. So I think that's all the time that we have today. A little bit of a shorter podcast this week, but we will be coming to you with a podcast on Boxing Day after our game against Everton. Chad, where can the people find you on social media? They can find me on social media on Facebook and Twitter at Blades in the USA. And if you want to follow me and Hey, Noah, did you know that our podcast that we're doing right now has a Facebook page? I think I knew that. 
I mean, okay. I, may be the, I may be the moderator of that Facebook page. So I think I did know that. Okay. Well, I'm just making sure you went and liked our Facebook page at the red half of Sheffield. And if you want to follow the de- trials and tribulations of my everyday life, you can follow me on Instagram at C Jarvis underscore 13. And you can follow me Noah Snyder at Nessman 930 on Twitter and Reddit. And you can follow me at Sunpuck on Instagram until the weekend. After our fixture against Everton on Boxing Day, up the blades. Up the blades. Come on, you red and white wizards.